appreciate it. Um, thank you for that kind introduction. Um, very gracious of you. Um, like I say, it's good to be here. Um, as I look out at this room this morning, uh, I see a lot of faces that I know. And I see a lot of faces I don't know. And, uh, and that's good. I think it's a sign of what God's doing in this place uh, over these last few months. I think it's a reflection of God's faithfulness uh, and uh, him delivering on his promises as we've made the move to this new venue. I see lots and lots of shoots of growth and expansion. I see new life, and, uh, and I rejoice in it. For that reason, I'll tell you a little bit about myself, um, as you might not know me. Uh, I'm married to Tuli. Uh, she's sitting somewhere at the back there with my little one, uh, Samora, who's uh, turning two next month. And somewhere upstairs is Mila, uh, my little boy, who's turning 11 uh, in uh, two months' time. That's our little family. We live up the hill. We live up in Hillcrest, uh, in the Hillcrest area. And, um, yeah, um, my um, Tuli is an architect, um, or as she would prefer me to say, she's a, soon to be an architect. Uh, she's uh, preparing for her board exam on Wednesday, and I'll tell you a little bit about that and the impact that's having on, on us. Uh, as for myself, uh, uh, I run uh, an organization called HomeCloud, which is a, an Internet uh, company here in Durban. And I also um, I have two day jobs. My other day job is that I run um, a ministry called African Enterprise, which is um, one of the uh, biggest evangelical organizations in the country, and we specialize in doing citywide missions or crusades, uh, sharing the gospel and bringing people to Christ around the country. The last few months have been tough, really, really tough for our little family, and, uh, uh, and, and very testing. A few months ago, we were blessed. We bought a new home, um, and... Uh, and we rejoice in that. Uh, but life has been trying its very best in recent times to steal our joy. I probably should have asked the man who sold me the house why he was moving out. <laughs> considering that he'd only bought it a year earlier. Uh, but in my enthusiasm, I thought not to ask. Uh, I didn't want to look a gift horse in the mouth. But perhaps I should have. Because everything that could have gone wrong has gone wrong. I didn't know that we had a septic tank until it overflowed. Um, we've had a, a rat infestation. We've had a snake infestation. Uh, I've spent six months trying to fix a security system, and I think I'm to my fifth service provider in the last five months, and the end is nowhere in sight. Uh, the rats ate uh, the wiring in Tully's car uh, about a month ago. And I think they may have done it again because when I turned her car on this morning, it made a very funny sound. So it's not going particularly well. And those are the easy things, the small things. Uh, uh, Tilly um, is, is, you know, my darling wife, my girl, is, um, is studying so hard, is being so studious, is so focused on trying to get through this exam on Wednesday. But, um, but it's been hard. It's been a lot of late nights, early mornings, in addition to the little baby, uh, in addition just to the stress of wanting to get over this hurdle and actually reach, you know, this place where she can finally call herself an architect in good standing. And, um, and it's hard. It's put a strain on her. It's put a strain on all of us. Um, on my side, it's been probably the toughest start to a year I've had in my life, uh, a lot of really tough things that have happened uh, in my environment uh, that have really pushed me to the limit and beyond. So there have been a lot of things trying to take our joy, take our peace, um, making it hard to be happy when we know that we should be happy, that that's what Jesus won for us on the cross, uh, our peace, that we should be experiencing his peace, we should be experiencing his joy. Um, and at times like this, it's hard to, to live in hope. Uh, when things get dark, when things get uh, cloudy, when things get ominous, it's hard for you to maintain your positive disposition on life. And this is the challenge of our times, not just for me and my family, not just for us sitting in this room, 
but for all of humanity, is really this simple question that everyone's trying to ask themselves, which is, how can I be happy um, in a world where so many bad things keep happening? And they do keep happening. I'm here to confirm what you've already seen. Bad things are happening all around you. Bad things are happening to you. Bad things are happening to the people you love. Bad things are real. And how do you maintain your joy in all of that? Well, I'll tell you the answer at the beginning and then we'll work our way to how we got to that answer. And the answer is get hope and get joy. Get joy and get strength. That the surest way to a joyful life, a happy life, is through the hope that we have in Christ. Without hope, you cannot possibly experience joy. Without hope, you cannot possibly be happy. And this hope is the hope that is found in Christ, the only real kind of hope, the only enduring kind of hope, the only hope that you actually can build your life on. Without hope, there is no happiness. Without hope, there is no joy. Without hope, there is no strength. Without hope, we cannot stand. The book of Jeremiah in the 29th chapter and the 11th verse says the following. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not evil. To give you a future and a hope. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace. God wishes you peace. And not of evil. Certainly not evil. And he wants to give you a future. And that future is rooted in hope. Another anchor scripture for us today is Romans, the 8th chapter and the 28th verse. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purposes. We often forget that second part of that, uh, of that uh, scripture. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. Today, I submit to you that to the extent that you believe those two scriptures is to the extent that you can experience real, enduring hope in your life. The kind of hope that gives you joy, the kind of hope that gives you strength is rooted in believing what God has to say in these two verses. Can I ask, who's going through something right now in their life? Who's going through something pretty dark? Who's going through something pretty scary? Who's going through something that's keeping them up at night? Something that's making them lose their appetite? Something that's making them worry more than they know that they should? Who is going through something that's frightening? Who is going through something uncertain? If that's you, put up your hand. I want to see you. Because this message is for you today. If you're afraid, if you're, if you're scared, if you're anxious, if your circumstance is so uncertain that you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring, then this message of hope is for you. Do you believe these scriptures? Because if you do, you have a chance of experiencing God's hope, God's joy, and God's strength to stand. To stand, and to stand, and to stand, and to stand until you have victory. Get hope. Get joy. Get strength. If you remember nothing else from our message today, remember 
those three phases. Get hope. Get joy. Get strength. Better things are coming. Now, we've all attended a lot of weddings. And I'm sure just about every wedding you've ever attended made reference to 1 Corinthians 13. all about love and the nature of love. And, uh, but right at the end of that section of Scripture, verse 13, it says this, And now these three things remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Now, Jesus and Paul and the disciples throughout Scripture are not particularly keen to rank things. Sin is sin. Virtues are virtues. The fruit of the Spirit is the fruit of the Spirit. It's all good. God is not in the business of telling us to do some things more than others. But in only two real instances... In the New Testament, do we see this done? First, when Jesus is asked, which are the greatest commands? And he says, love the Lord your God. And he says, love those around you. These are the two greatest commands. Here again, we see these three particular aspects of faith highlighted as being the bedrock of our lives. Faith. Hope and love. Folks, if you have faith and you have hope and you have love, you can live victoriously in Christ. These are the foundations of our faith, the foundations of our lives, the foundations of our victory on this side of heaven. You see, hope is the confident expectation that God is working things to your good. It's not optimism, no. It is rooted in God. And this is what the world doesn't understand. Because because in the world, hope, hope hope is whatever you want it to be. Hope is hope in in the government. Hope is hope in yourself. Hope is hope in, in, in the latest book you read. Hope, hope and the search for hope is the result of so many of the things we see the world doing. Hope and the search for it is the basis for yoga. It is the basis for transcendental Uh, meditation. It's the basis for all the self-help books you've ever seen advertised. It's the basis for Oprah's whole career. Because people are in search of hope. They're in search of joy. They're in search of happiness in a world full of darkness, full of strife, full of trouble. It's important that I help us understand the distinction between hope and faith. These two words are used so interchangeably uh, in the Bible. They're always linked that one might lose the, the nuance in the meaning. In uh, Hebrews 11.1, 1, um, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So hope is not faith and faith is not hope, but they go together. Faith is built on hope. You cannot have hope without faith, but you can have hope without faith. So in other words, your faith is built on your hope. Faith is built on hope. A hopeless person cannot have faith. 
in God, cannot have faith in His promises, cannot have faith in His goodness. And so that's the world we live in. We live in a world where lots of people are trying to manufacture hope in the absence of faith and finding that it does not meet their need. It doesn't fill the hole. It doesn't nourish the soul. Faith and hope stand together. Faith stands on hope. Job, in chapter 8, verse 11, says, Those who forget God have no hope. And, you know, for me, this is the thing that really burns in my heart. This is the thing that makes me an evangelist. This is the thing that drives my work uh, at AE is, is, this, is this sense of deep sadness for those who don't know Christ. Because I don't know how they make it through the day. I don't know how they keep their sanity. I don't know how they keep their spirits. I don't know how they keep moving in a world that is so full of darkness and strife and trials and tribulations in the absence of God. It's the saddest, most painful thing imaginable. Get hope. Get joy. Get strength. There's an ancient Maori saying that says, Turn your face to the sun and the shadows will fall behind you. Turn your face to the sun and the shadows will fall behind you. God is the sun. The shadows are your troubles. Both are real. John 16.33 says this, I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. We sang that earlier. You have overcome the world. You have overcome the world. I have a friend, a very dear friend, one of my oldest friends. Um, Her name is Carrie. Carrie and I ministered uh, very early in my ministry career. Uh, We led a youth group together, and uh, those are some of the best times in my life. Um, An amazing woman of God, full of faith, uh, full of joy, full of strength. Um, She got married some years later um, to, to Ben, also uh, who's become a dear friend, and, and they started to build a family. They wanted desperately to build a family. And, uh, and we were so overjoyed, all of us, their friends, when they, when they conceived, and, uh, and they got pregnant, and, and we had a party, and, and we all rejoiced because uh, it had taken them a while to do so. And um, very, very, very late in that uh, pregnancy, um, she miscarried. And, uh, and I can't describe the devastation um, that they went through as a couple, um, how that tested their faith, how that tested everything they thought they knew and understood about the world, how that tested all of our faith as people who had prayed with them and believed with them and, and, and walked a journey with them and then celebrated with them only to have this incredibly painful disappointment at the end of it all. And, um, and the healing process began thereafter. And, uh, but she wasn't quite the same yet. Um, but she had enough hope and she had enough joy and she had enough strength to try again. And they did. And they conceived a second time. And we rejoiced and we thanked God and we felt as though 
victory was finally at hand. And late, late, late in that second pregnancy, she miscarried again. And whatever that first sense of disappointment and devastation had been, this time it was so much the more. And their faith was tested. Our faith was tested. And we didn't know how we'd go on from there. They didn't know how they'd go on from there. But she had enough hope and she had enough joy and she had enough strength to carry on and to try again. And God blessed her a third time and she conceived. And a baby boy was born. (laughs) A beautiful little baby boy called Seth was born and a little sister thereafter and uh, and they're rejoicing now uh, they've since adopted a third child and uh, and they have been vindicated their hope and their joy gave them the strength to endure the worst possible trial one which we would not wish on even our worst enemies. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, verses 16 to 18 says, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient but the things that are unseen are eternal. In Philippians Chapter 4 and verse 12, it says this, I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. My friends, the Christian life is not devoid of trouble. This is one of the hardest things for us to reconcile as believers. And it's become one of the areas um, of really bad teaching and really bad theology in the church today. And it's confusing and hurting and harming believers everywhere. This false expectation that when we come to Christ all our troubles will go away. That it's going to be smooth sailing from there on in. That's not true. We all wish it were true, but it's not. That's not God's promise to us. His promise is that He's going to see us through. That's his promise. Guys, if you're sitting there today and you're sitting under this false teaching, I really want to encourage you today to renew your mind and to renew your thinking about this. Because there are too many believers walking the earth in disappointment and in hurt because bad things happened. Bad things are sure to happen. We live in a fallen world and between here and heaven there will be darkness. You know, 
I want to teach you something, uh, something that's really blessed me uh, through my walk. Probably the best thing I ever learned in Bible school all those years ago. And it's a little hermeneutical grid, a way of interpreting what's true and what's not, both in Scripture but also in life. And if you're taking notes, I really encourage you to, to write this down. How do you know if something's true? There's a four-part test that you can put it through. Uh, whether it be a piece of scripture that someone gave you, whether it be a spiritual principle that someone's teaching, and whether it be a decision that you're trying to make. The first thing is, is it in the Bible? Really simple. Is, there a, is, is it in scripture? Does scripture make reference and does scripture speak? specifically to that thing. Part one. So we never contradict scripture. We don't do it. It is the primary source of all things, all knowledge, all understanding, and all truth. Is it in the word? Secondarily, do we see that principle or that truth expressed in the life of believers in scripture? Do we see it expressed in Jesus' life? Do we see it expressed in the lives of the disciples? Do we see that principle at work in the Word? Not specifically, but in the life of the people who walked and talked and served with Jesus. The third thing is, is it true by observation? In other words, in our lives... Is it borne out as being true? As we walk around the world and walk around the earth and live life and have relationships, do we observe that truth manifest in the world around us? And fourthly, do you have peace about it? In your inner man, in your inner spirit, do you have peace? I tell you the truth, anything that passes that four-pass test is true. And you can stand on it and have faith for it and walk in it. And so as it relates to this issue of pain and trouble, we've gone through the scriptures. We've seen the word. There will be trouble in this world. Secondarily, in the life of Jesus and the lives of the disciples, there was trouble. Lots and lots of trouble. There were crucifixions and floggings and shipwrecks and imprisonment and, 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 and lots of trouble. In the world around you, is there trouble? Trouble unending. Trouble unending in the world around us. And do you have peace that that's what you're seeing? <laughs> are you experiencing that trouble in your life? I suspect you are. And if you're not... I want to come spend more time with you. <laughs> so folks, uh, that's a little trick. I encourage you to use it. It has guided me through a great many confusing things that have come my way through the course of my life, and I suspect it will bless and encourage you as well. So again, get hope. Get joy. Get strength. Like, say it with me. Get hope. Get joy. Get strength. My friends, hope is rooted in the redemptive power of God. And in two ways is this true. We have hope because of the cross. On the cross, Jesus defeated death and he won the final victory and our eternity is assured and that is the biggest and greatest and most enduring source of hope that we can have in our lives. We know how the story ends. It's the most amazing thing to go through this life full of uncertainty as it is and know that the end is assured. Now, when I was growing up in, in, my, in, my, in, my, in my teens... My parents weren't particularly good at, uh, at uh, observing and disciplining my TV watching. Um, poor Mila, unfortunately, has lots and lots of discipline uh, as it relates to what he can watch on TV. So I watched all kinds of things when I was little. And, uh, 
and at that time in my life, I liked scary movies. And, um, and so things like, um, uh, you know, for someone like, I, I'm one of these people who doesn't dream. I don't dream. I don't remember my dream. Some, like Tuli, every night, every morning she wakes up, she tells me the dream that she had last night. I'm lucky if I remember one dream a year, uh, which means only every second year do I remember a nightmare. You know, I very rarely have nightmares. But I do remember one very enduring nightmare I had as a child, and that was a nightmare that came from a movie called um, Friday the 13th. And, uh, <laughs> and it's a movie about Freddy Krueger, who's this, you know, this murderous guy and, uh, and really demonic kind of guy. And, uh, and there's one particular scene in that movie where, um, where the girl, it's always a girl, she's always blonde, and, uh, and she's running away from him, basically. And so, uh, sorry, it wasn't Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street is the name of the movie. And so, and so the girl is running away from Freddy Krueger, he's chasing her through the streets, she's freaking out, he's coming after her, she's running, he's walking, you wonder why, and, uh, <laughs> and you soon realize why, because as she runs to the end of the street, kind of into the darkness and the distance, you think, oh, she got away. And then, before you know it, she's back at the start of the street, where, where the street starts again. So she's running like a loop. She can't actually get away. She runs into the darkness. She thinks she's got away. And she's back at the start of the street again. So that's why he's not running. He's in no hurry because she's not going anywhere apparently. And, um, and, so, and so those movies are really like scary. And, um, and it's funny, now that I'm a bit older, not only are those movies not particularly good to watch because they, well, not a great message and particularly demonic, but, but I've just lost the stomach for scary stuff. Uh, Tully will tell you, I just, I'm just squeamish now. I've gone all soft in my, in my, in my older age. And so, and so, but then when I watch stuff like that, um, I was really frightened genuinely frightened. I mean, I guess that's how you know it's a good horror movie, because you're frightened. Uh, but the amazing thing about a horror movie is that it completely loses its power the second time you watch it. <laughs> Understand what I'm saying? You've seen the movie. You know how it ends. You know she doesn't die. Or that she does die. Or whatever. Like you know the end. And that takes the power of that fear and uncertainty out of it. And that for us is the power of the cross. We know how the movie ends. So, so we, we can have confidence that we will be united with Christ for eternity. Uh, and that's how our story ends. And that's powerful and that's beautiful and that gives us peace and it gives us hope and it gives us joy and it gives us strength. But that's on the other side of the grave. That's an eternity. What about on this side of the grave? What about in this life that we're living now, in this world that we're living now? What can we hope for? What can we have joy for? What can we have strength for? God is good and God is working all things to our good. And if we believe that, really believe it, deep down inside, then we can have hope on this side of heaven. Because we can believe that God is redeeming it all. Whatever you're going through right now, no matter how dark, no matter how painful, no matter how hard, no matter how scary, no matter how real the danger is, God is redeeming it. God is redeeming it. It's not here to stay. It's not here for good. This too shall pass. This too will he work for my good. One Corinthians two nine says, The eye has not seen, nor ear heard, 
nor have entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. God is working in your life, in the midst of it all. In the midst of it all. In the midst of it all. He is working it in your favor, for your good, for your growth, for your victory. This is the promise that we have in Christ. Thomas Brooks says this. He says, a Christian will part with anything rather than his hope. He knows that hope will keep the heart both from aching and breaking and from fainting and sinking. He knows that hope is a beam of God, a spark of glory, and that nothing, nothing shall extinguish it from the soul until it be filled with glory. Get hope. Get joy. Get strength. So what does hope look like? Hope looks like joy. Philippians 4.12 says this. Again, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in need. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Do you guys know any people who, no matter what's happening, seem to kind of be okay? Whether they're losing their job, whether they're breaking up with their girlfriend, whether they're being mocked by others, whether they're facing disappointment of any kind, they just have a way of being okay. This is God's expectation and hope for all of us, that we can be content in all things, at all times, in every situation, whether good or bad, whether happy or sad, because of the promises that we have in Him. Hope allows you to have joy. This belief that God is redeeming all things is the basis of your joy. It is almost impossible to be happy if you do not believe that God is working things for your good. Why? Because bad things are happening. And if that's all you can see is the bad stuff happening and don't frame it in God's redemptive power, you cannot be happy. So I know, looking around this room, that each and every one of us have this deep aching in our hearts, in our spirits, to be happy. I mean, you know, happiness is the wrong word. It's a very, it's a very worldly word. It's a word that is really transient. I'm happy because I bought a car. You know, I, I'm happy because I moved into a house. Uh, I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm happy because I got a job. I'm happy because I got a raise. I'm happy. But we know that happiness isn't what the Bible promises. The Bible promises joy. Because happiness comes and goes. You buy a car and three months later that car is old and you're thinking about your next car. You buy a house and that house has rats and snakes and, and, and you're thinking maybe you made a mistake. Uh, <laughs> you know, no, we didn't. <laughs> it's okay. Um, but happiness comes and goes. But what we have in Christ, the promise we have in Christ is the promise of joy, contentment, being okay. Because I know whatever's going on, this too shall pass. Hope looks like strength. Because that joy, once you have it, because you had hope, that, that joy allows you to stand. 
in the midst of that darkness, in the midst of that pain, in the midst of it all, you can stand. You can hold. Hold your ground. Hold your faith. Hold your virtue. Hold your honor. Keep your integrity. You can stand. You can withstand the pressure of it all. Because there's a joy that says, this too shall pass. This too shall pass. This too shall pass. This too shall pass. So I'm just going to stand. And that is the kind of strength that distinguishes us as believers from those who don't have Christ in their lives. That is the strength that Christ has given us. Through the cross, through His redemptive power, we can stand. We can be strong. We can endure in the time of trial. Because we know He is working it all to our good. Nehemiah 8.10 says it beautifully. Do not grieve. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Whereas someone else will, will collapse under the weight of it, where someone else will fall into despair, into malaise, into fear, where someone else will lash out, where someone else will betray their own values and integrity in that time of trial, you, we, us, can stand. Hope looks like movement. When you have hope, you keep moving. Because you keep believing for tomorrow. You don't stop. You don't retreat. You don't go backwards. You, that's how you know you have hope. Because you're moving. You're still moving towards the things that you hope for. The things you expect for. The things that you're believing for. The things that have been promised. The things that are unseen, but that you know God will bring to pass. So you keep moving. You keep moving. You keep moving. I think of my wife, my darling wife, um, who went through a really traumatic but not uncommon experience trying to get her driver's license. Who's been traumatized by their driver's test here? Hands up. Driver's test trauma. Plenty of it. Plenty of it. Huh? Who's gone, who's gone once? Who's gone twice? Who's gone thrice? Who's gone five times? Who's gone more times? <laughs> so, so Tuli got hers at the fifth time of asking. And after much, much pain, many, many tears, much, much trauma. But how do I know she had hope? Because she kept going back. That's hope and action. That's hope and action. You know, one of the things I didn't say earlier, the difference between hope and faith, it's an important distinction you should understand, is that hope, hope says, yes, he can. Whereas faith says, yes, he will. And the distinction is, 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 a, is a minor one, but an important one. Faith is rooted in a promise. God makes you a promise either through the word or he makes you a promise individually. He says, he says, Asipe, I, I prophesy over you that you will become this amazing minister of the word and thousands of people will come to faith through you and that's a promise. And you can stand on it and have faith for it. Okay? Um, and all of us, who, who has promises in their life that, that they're worried, waiting for God to work out? That haven't yet worked out. You can have faith for those things. You can have faith for those things. Because God has given you a promise to stand on. 
Hope is the precursor to faith. Hope is, I want to drive. I want to have a car. Uh, I want to... And that may or may not be attached to a specific promise from God. Uh, but you know that God wants good things for you. That God wants blessings for you. That God wants to work things in your favor. So when you go for your driver's test, you can have hope. Real hope. Not rooted in man. Not rooted in optimism. But rooted in the nature and the character and the goodness of God. That you're going to get that license. That you're going to succeed. And that hope is fundamental to carrying you through life. Because there are so many things that God has not yet given you a promise about. That God doesn't maybe even need to give you a promise about, but that you can still have hope in. So, so by going for that test the second time, and the third time, and the fourth time, and the fifth time, you're actually not exercising faith per se, you're exercising hope. And the joy that comes with it, and the strength that comes with it. So, so it involves movement. It involves going back. It involves trying again. It involves not giving up. You got to move. You got to move. You got to move. How do you know when someone is in despair? Because they stop. They freeze. They freeze. They freeze. They, 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 they lose the will to move. They, they lose the will to, to stretch out, to try, to seek, to believe. And that's not our portion. That's not our portion. That is not our portion. So I say, move. If you have hope, move. If you have hope, move. If you have hope, move. And if you're not moving... Maybe you don't have as much hope as you need. And maybe your hope tank is empty and it needs to be refilled. And that's what we're here to do today is to refill that tank of hope rooted in the redemptive power of God through the cross and His redemptive power on this side of heaven. The Lord's Prayer says, Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. What that reflects is that God is at work on this side of heaven. That God is bringing his kingdom this side of heaven. That God is redeeming things this side of heaven. In the world around us and in your life in particular. In your life specifically. In the things that are happening to you. Because he's that kind of God who cares about you. Martin Luther said, everything that is done in the world is done by hope. It begins with hope. It begins with hope. It begins with hope. My friends, God is here to redeem everything in your life. He's here to redeem it all. I know that as we sit here this morning, some of you are going through stuff. Real, dark, heavy stuff. Some of you are living with addiction. Some of us are living with mistakes we've made. Babies that arrived unexpectedly. Jobs that we've lost. Jobs we're about to lose. Businesses that are going under. Marriages that are breaking. Exams that are being failed. Schools we're being get, getting kicked out of. Dreams that appear to be going up in smoke. I'm here to tell you that God can redeem it all. That God can work it all to your good. That God is with you. And that for that reason, 
you can have hope and joy and strength. Who's going through something here today? Show me your hand. I'm going through some stuff. Me. You're going through some stuff. And you need the hope that God has provided for you. I'm going to ask that we, that, we, that we end our time together this morning, not with me talking a whole lot more, but with us ministering to each other. Because I know there are some of you here with empty, low hope tanks. So I want us to lay hands on each other. I want us to pray hope into each other's lives. I want to encourage you as you do this right now to I want to encourage you to, to partner up with the person next to you and to the extent that you can be open and honest with them and tell them what you're struggling with and what you need hope for uh, the better. And I want you to ask them, I want to ask that person to pray for you, to lay their hands on you and to call down the power of heaven and to help you stand in the promises that God has made to you and to stand in the hope that's available to you and to stand in the joy that's available to you and to stand in the strength that's available to you. So I'm going to ask the worship team just to come back up. I'm going to ask us all just to take five minutes, folks. The person next to you, lay hands, pray for each other, call down hope from heaven and let God do what only God can do. Can I ask that we do it standing? Let's stand. Let's stand. Let's find someone. Let's lay hands. Let's pray hope.